episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there, from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. Trauma has a profound effect on one's physical, mental, emotional, and even social functioning. Trauma can be described as anything that shatters one, one's worldview. So what they once thought to be true about themselves or others profoundly changes as a result of this traumatic experience. And while this is incredibly tragic, the good news is there is help for this and there is hope. Joining us today is Dr. April Leitze, a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in treating trauma, including post-traumatic stress disorder. Dr. April is here to help us to understand the impact of trauma, as well as to provide hope regarding the treatments that are available to us and how to get your life back after trauma. Hi, Dr. April. Welcome to our show. Hi, it's really good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's really good to have you. Before we jump in, let's talk a little bit about yourself and the clinical work that you're doing right now. Well, I'm a clinical psychologist. Right now I'm working doing online therapy out of Watermark Psychological Services in Norfolk. And I have a wide load. I, I see people with a variety of problems. But my specialty is really trauma and also related anxiety disorders like OCD and things like that. I started working in the military and that really gave me my introduction to trauma. And I've done a lot of military trauma work as well. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that is definitely a very unique experience as a mental health professional. How would you define trauma? How do you explain that to your clients? Well, you know, there's, there's a formal way and then there's reality, right? So the, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Manual for Psychology, says basically that you, a trauma is something that affects your uh, life. Like I'm worried that I'm going to die or I'm going to get seriously hurt or sexually assaulted. And it can happen to you or almost happen to you. You can see it happen to someone else. It can happen to a close member of your family. Or you can have a job where you're often present in the aftermath of trauma. Think of like an EMS uh, worker or somebody like that. But really, trauma is anything that is sears into your body. Hey, life is not as controllable as I thought I, it was. Yes. And the things that I, I thought I could do and just be able to do without questioning now are under question. And so in real life, Trauma is often a very broad experience. It really depends on what that experience meant to you, how traumatic it is. Right. And what a lot of people don't realize is the influence that it has, as you're describing it, really being a part of the body. So it then influencing our relationships and our thoughts and our behaviors and profound effects. And, and the vicarious trauma that you just mentioned, can you touch on that a little bit? Can you explain that a little bit further of, you know, people who are of the bystanders, so to speak. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think that trauma just is affecting the person who had the, the experience, right? I was held up, I was sexually assaulted, I was in combat, and I was the person injured. But a lot of times it's the person who's witnessing it, 
or even who's not present. You know, when I was a teenager, I had a traumatic experience. I was held up at, at gunpoint when I was 16 years old or 17 years old. And I got a lot of attention and help, but my twin sister was equally traumatized and she yes. wasn't even there and she didn't get the support I think that she needed at the time. Oh, and that's such a great point because often with the vicarious trauma, there's not, it's it's often not recognized in the same way. And so that's, yes, great point. There's not a lot of support. So yeah. what, what is the impact when we talk about, I mean, we talked about it, it influencing relationships and behaviors. What are some of these symptoms of trauma that we might see impact someone's daily functioning? So part of trauma is withdrawing, right? It's particularly if we're looking at PTSD and people who are not recovering well from trauma, right? And so you get overstimulated, things uh, feel very intense, you get triggered easily, become angry easily. And so often people will withdraw and withdraw from relationships. Also, there can be a numbing where you don't feel as much, feel as intensely. So even when you're with someone you love, because you've numbed out some of the trauma-related feelings, you might also not feel some of the loving feelings as intensely. And that can be really troubling. Sure. And then what about even the manifestation through depressive symptoms, through symptoms of anxiety? Help us to understand the link between depression and anxiety and unprocessed trauma. So, you know, when we think about anxiety disorders, which I also treat, and I got into treating them because they're so much like trauma, right? So when you get an anxiety disorder, PTSD, and then depression, these are all disorders of what we could call our automatic, our autonomic nervous system, right? So we have a, a body, a system in our body that see, kind of just keeps running things automatically, things we don't think about. And part of that is the sympathetic nervous system, which helps us deal with problems on the outside, right? Parasympathetic is like my digestion, kind of the way things run in my body. Sympathetic is the way I respond to the the environment outside of me, right? And so all of these disorders are disorders where we're really hyper alert to the problems that are going on out in the world. We get more anxious. We get what they call aroused, which just means our sympathetic nervous system is aroused. We're more likely to get angry, right? Reactive. And depression is really when that system gets overstressed and we're sort of in this chronically aroused state where we're very alert to negative things going on in our environment and it's exhausting. So these things really relate to each other. People who have had PTSD for a long time, post-traumatic stress disorder for a long time, often also have depression. I would say that's the rule rather than the exception. Sure. And and I was going to actually ask if you could explain to our audience what post-traumatic stress disorder is that that term gets thrown around a yeah. lot like OCD and you know it gets right. thrown around in maybe rather inappropriate or just not the correct manner sure. you know, to understand what it actually is yeah so a lot of times people will have a bad experience and it still ticks them off or bothers them they're like I still have PTSD from that boss right sure. <laughs> and and that's understandable we always use words and like in casual ways as well as formal yes. ones. But according to the diagnostic manual, there's really different components to that. So one of them is having a trauma like I described. And then there's re-experiencing symptoms, right? So these are symptoms like nightmares, intrusive memories, things just pop up and kind of knock you off your feet. There's also things that are avoided symptoms. This is new in the most recent revision of the DSM, where you're avoiding thinking about things, avoiding going there. And we really think that avoidance drives a lot of the symptoms. The next thing is what we call changes in the way we look at the world and the way we feel, right? So changes in thought and uh, emotion. 
this has to do with, uh, again, feelings of disconnection from people, feelings of self-blame that you really can't get over, chronic negative states of emotion. Uh, one of the things I want to really be clear, though, as I talk about this, is you don't have to have every symptom to have PTSD. You just need sure. some from all of these clusters. So sometimes we'll, someone will say, well, I heard people with PTSD can't remember their trauma, which is true for some people, but not for everybody. <laughs> so if you can right. remember your trauma, it doesn't mean you don't have that diagnosis. And then the last cluster is what they call the hyperarousal symptoms, right? Easily irritable, getting having poor sleep at night. In fact, I find that one of the symptoms that lasts the longest for people is getting that sleep back. Anything where you just feel amped up, right? And you're not really in your skin. And that's, again, getting back to that sympathetic arousal system, right? It's oversensitive after trauma. Right, right. And that's an, it's such an important distinction that you made that, that someone doesn't have to be experiencing everything for it to still be a concern and for it to still be something that's necessary to, to seek some help for. What are some of the treatment approaches uh, that you use and that are effective for treating trauma as well as post-traumatic stress disorder specifically? Well, so if you really want to get the best information, if you're a consumer, right, for PTSD therapy, the best place to go is the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress. I think I got that just a little bit off, but it's the www.ptsd.va.gov, right? They can have all this information about about treatments that are out there. It's co-sponsored by the Department of Defense and the VA. I don't work for either one anymore, although I've worked for both in the past. But what they do is they really review what is the best treatment that's out there. And right now they're recommending three as the most scientifically supported, right? So there's prolonged exposure therapy, cognitive processing therapy, and EMDR, which used to be known as eye movement desensitization and reprocessing but yeah. they've just shortened it to EMDR right now because now they don't always use the eye movement. There's other techniques. Those three treatments are the best supported for making you get over your PTSD. Now, there's other good treatments out there, the Unified Protocol, Narrative Therapy, but these ones have the best support. And if, if you find someone who does that, you know, that, that's where I would go. And I can talk a little bit about my own general approach if you, if you Please. want. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So for me, when I look at these things, what they have in common, there's really four pieces to getting over trauma. The first one is learning how to relax, right? Learning how to physically relax your body and take care of yourself. People who have trauma are in this elevated, very anxious state too much. It wears your body out. And the truth is trauma treatment usually makes you a little bit worse before you get better. So we start right. In your skin, how do you take care of yourself as we go into this, right? The next part is remembering your traumatic experience, really exploring the memory in a safe environment. Hmm. After a trauma, your body treats the memories of the traumatic experience as if it's happening right now. Yes. And that happens through what conditioning, through emotional memory processing, right? It's not a logical process. It's something that we share with other advanced animals like your dog or, you know, wildlife, things like that, right? And that's an emotional response to either the memory itself or to reminders like places that you might go, right? It's treating those things as if they're the traumatic experience. And so you need to be in a safe place and remember that and help your body not react to the memory like it's happening again. Same thing is true with just going out into the world and doing things. This idea of remembering the memory and then going out and doing the things that are scary 
going to Walmart when it's busy, right? These are actual risky things, but right. that feel uncomfortable to the average person with PTSD, maybe going and talking to certain people that were associated with the trauma, but they're not dangerous people. When you do those in a safe environment, your body learns to calm down, your shoulders learn to drop. We did rewrite the narrative at that point. That's, I mean, it's putting, exposing them to this situation that was once scary and now it's not as scary. And then they get to start to reframe and look at it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, I often find there's one little piece that I want to get to after this. This is the exposure core, right? Sure. Wand exposure therapy exposure is a part of EMDR, how, how that works is controversial between providers, but it's definitely a part of EMDR. All of these treatments have some bit of a com- exposure component, right? That's just training your body to react, right? right. It makes people very angry. They'll say, well, I know that this is safe, but it still scares me. And they're frustrated. But the part that learns, this is how it feels to be there. That kind of processing goes through the amygdala as a conditioned response. It's emotional memory, right? Yes. It's emotional memory. It's going to happen fast. And you've got to train your body not to do that. Just like you train a dog that had been mistreated to calm down. You don't talk it out of it. Right. right. You have to teach it that it's safe, right? Well, you know, these, these new, these, these safe experiences that, that they get to replace it with. What would be one maybe piece of hope that you would give to someone listening who's experienced trauma? Maybe they recognize they have unprocessed trauma. What would be that takeaway you would give them today? Well, and the other thing I wanted to say just briefly is that you also need to reprocess some of the things you learned in the trauma that may or may not be helping you today. The most important piece of that is that therapy really works. Therapy is helpful. Uh, You can do some of these things yourself. There are self-help books out there and they don't have as much testing behind them, but the principles are there and you can try that. But if you get in and you do EMDR or CPT or or prolonged exposure, those things have very high success rates. And if one doesn't work, do the next one. The other piece of it is that getting over trauma is very scary and hard work, but it's not as hard as living with it. Oh, such a good point. You know, dive in, have the courage. It's going to be tough. But if you do that, you're, you can get control of your life and hold those reins again. And it's a great feeling. It's why I do trauma work, because it's great to see people grab the reins of their life and say, this trauma is no longer going to define the way I live or how I feel about things. Absolutely. So empowering. Where can our viewers find out more about you? So right now I'm working for Watermark Psychological Services. It's a great uh, practice out of uh, Norfolk, Virginia. We're on the web. We have a website there. I work there. And there are a number of other great clinicians that work there, not just doing trauma work, but depression and family therapy and couples work, all kinds of things. So if you want to find me, you can find me at watermarksite.com. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. April. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram and also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining us in this episode of Call and Cool and Connected.